And looking to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 42, in the time that we have together this evening, I want us to examine the reality of and the remedy for depression. The reality of and the remedy for depression. Psalm 42. As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. In our first main point, which I've entitled The Reality of the Depression, I want you to recognize first its commonness, and specifically its commonness among believers. If there is one repeated truth that we are confronted with over and over and over again throughout the entirety of the Psalms, Surely it is the theme that in this life, God's people will have times that they feel down, discouraged, and even depressed. Need I remind you of the different references we have read thus far in our study of the Psalms that demonstrate the reality of depression in David's life. Psalm 6, 6 and 7, David says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. Psalm 13, 1 and 2, David asks, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart, catch it, daily. Psalm 22, 1 and 2. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. Psalm 38, verse 6, I am troubled, David says. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Psalm 38, verse 8, I am feeble. And sore broken, I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. And now here in Psalm 42, we find the psalmist declaring the reality of his feelings. And what are the reality of his feelings? Well, he feels mentally, emotionally, and spiritually distressed. Look at it. In verse 3, he states that he is sad. His tears have been running down his face day and night. Also in verse 3, we find that he is mocked. Others continually say to him, where is your God? In verse 5, in verse 6, in verse 11, we read that the psalmist feels cast down in his heart and in his soul. In verse 7, he feels abandoned by the Lord. He feels as if he is sinking in the raging sea. Verse 9 explicitly says that he feels forgotten by the Lord. And then also in verse 9, we find that the psalmist is mourning because he is oppressed by his enemies. And in, in the midst of all these feelings, the repetitive mentioning of the question why in verse 5 and verse 11 teaches us that he feels confused. He's confused why all these things are happening in his life. And he's confused as to why he is feeling this way as a Christian man. And the truth that I want us to recognize under this first point is the plain biblical reality that feeling discouraged in life is not an uncommon experience. Do we need to trace the entirety of the scripture and point out the countless recorded instances in which the most godly men and women who felt down and depressed. Job was a man who feared God and shunned evil. And yet Job, we could say, was tortured by feelings of depression. Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, The man of prayer, one who communed with God so intimately, came to a time in his life where he wanted to die and throw it all away. Jeremiah, what do we call him? The weeping prophet. Why is he the weeping prophet? Because he's just some milksop, some weak man who can't handle his emotions? No, he's the weeping prophet because his eyes affect his heart. He's burdened for his nation. He's longing that God's people might return to the Lord. Jeremiah likewise came to a point in his ministry where he wishes he was never born. Hannah, for Samuel, was a woman who was greatly afflicted because of her barrenness. She desired to have children, but for whatever reason, God shut up her womb. So she poured out her soul in anxiety. 
Esther, during the time of her life, we know that her people, the Jews, were hated and even threatened. Caused great discouragement, great depression. David, the man after God's own heart. Throughout the Psalms, what do we read? We read these instances in which David felt weary. David was haunted by continual grief, sorrow in heart. And then take all of Israel. Israel, back in Exodus, we read, laboring vigorously in Egypt under Pharaoh. What do you think that caused them to feel inside? And then being led as strangers to a strange land in captivity, mourning to be back in their home country. These are the psalms of lament. These are the expressions of Scripture. And even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 states that he, the great Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries who's ever lived, was troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. All these examples and more teach us that believers are not immune from feeling discouraged in life. Believers are not immune from falling into times where they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Though believers really do have a peace that passes all understanding through the merits of Jesus Christ, by the saving power of the gospel, though they really do have an inward assurance given by the Holy Spirit that God is with them and for them, there are times in which Christians will struggle to maintain vibrant joy in the Lord. So this is the first truth being emphasized here in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, who can deny that we plainly see the reality of depression. The second truth presented to us in this psalm is the remedy for depression. The remedy for depression. Not only do we have a detailed description of depression's condition, we also have a detailed description of depression's cure. It's cure. Look at it. Intertwined within the psalmist's real painful feelings, we find real practical steps the psalmist took to find peace, hope, encouragement, and help for his feelings of depression. And notice with me the four cures, the four remedies for depression that are mentioned throughout the whole of the psalm. And the first and most important truth that we need to identify is the fact that the psalmist knows God personally in salvation. Now, this is the cure of all cures. This is the primary solution for depression. In fact, apart from knowing God personally, there is no hope that you will ever escape your feelings of depression. If you want to be cured of depression, listen, you must know God personally. Look at the text again. The psalmist says, verse 6, that God is his God. He says, oh my God. Verse 9, he says that God is not a rock, 
Not the rock, but his rock. Verse 11, he states again that God is his God who is the health of his countenance. So what hope did the psalmist have in the midst of depressing thoughts, in the midst of depressing feelings? He had the hope that God was still his God. He had the confidence that through the gospel, nothing could separate him from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He had the comfort that despite what difficulties come at him, he could endure because he knew that all things would work together for his good and for God's eternal glory. Do you see that? In the midst of depression, he still had the steadfast knowledge of his salvation. And I'm submitting to you this evening that only a true living relationship with God through Jesus Christ will bring light in the midst of darkness. If you don't have Christ, you will never have hope. If you don't have Christ, you don't have hope. And on the contrary, if you have Christ, though you sometimes feel as if you have no hope, you know, despite the feelings, that you have hope in Him. So let me ask you tonight, is Christ your hope? Have you been born again? Have you been born unto a lively hope? Is Christ your light? Is he your life? Is he your God? Is he your salvation? Is he your rock, your peace? You say, well, you see, I grew up in church. I made a profession of faith a long time ago. I went to a Christian school. I come to church every week. I say prayers. I try to do my best. That's not my question. I didn't ask that. I'm asking, if you personally have been reconciled unto God, I'm asking if you are truly His child, I'm asking if you personally love the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm asking if your heart has a burning affection for Him. If you want to be cured of your depression, you must begin by recognizing, first, your lost condition, and second, your need for a Savior. If you want to know light in the midst of your darkness, you must know the one who is the light of the world. What does it mean to be in Adam? What does it mean to be in sin? To be in Adam, to be in sin, is to be in darkness. It's to be in despair. What does it mean then to be in Christ? It means to be in light. The gospel is a transformation from darkness to light. And the power of Satan to God. And God can do that for you. If you cry out to him. If you ask him to do that which you are incapable of doing. Changing your hard, sinful, rebellious heart. If you wish to be cured of your depression, you must know God personally in salvation. 
Truth number two. If you wish to be cured of your depression, you must seek God passionately. You must seek God passionately. And obviously, as I have just stated, this can only be done as a believer. Because the unbeliever will not seek after God of his own accord. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 3. There is none that understandeth. Understands what? Understands God, understands salvation, understands the hope of the gospel. There's none that understandeth of his own accord, his need for a savior. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. But when we come to Christ, when God in Christ comes to us, when Christ seeks us in salvation, he puts within our heart a burning passion to know him. How? Not just savingly, but intimately by seeking first the kingdom of God and Christ's righteousness. And we see this truth magnified in the psalmist in verses 1 and 2. He says, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He's a changed man. He has the life of God living within him. Even in the midst of a dark and despairing world, he says, My soul thirsteth for God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed they are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. These are attributes of the believer that Jesus is expressing there on the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. We find that here in the psalmist. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. How has this come to be? John chapter 4, because living waters have entered into his soul. Do you see the connections? The woman in adultery was in darkness, in despair, depression, trying to find satisfaction in men and things that could not satisfy. What does she need? She needed living waters. She needed light. She needed life. She needed Christ. That's the only thing that's then going to cause her to seek after Christ. And she did after she received it. That's the psalmist here. My, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you see the passion? Do you see the yearning pouring out of these two verses? Do you see the burning desire that's beating in the heart of this man? As he's being attacked, look at the circumstances. As he's being oppressed and mocked by his enemies. As he feels sad, depressed, restless, abandoned, confused, and tired. He has an intense longing for God. He knows God, but he wants to know God. He knows God savingly. But he's not satisfied with that. He wants to know God intimately. And again, I submit to you this evening that this is the reality of all who truly know Christ in salvation. I know this kicks in the face of the false gospels we hear in our day. But listen, all who truly know Christ in salvation will not be given over to a perpetual state of hopelessness. All who truly know Christ in salvation will not habitually live 
in a casual state of carelessness toward God. All who truly know Christ and salvation will not find true satisfaction in other people or the sinful things of the world. The true believer will be like Job, like Jeremiah, like David, like Hannah, like the psalmist, and like Paul, who say, though we are troubled on every side, we are not distressed. Though we are perplexed, yes, we're not in despair. Though persecuted, we're not forsaken. And though we are cast down, listen, we are not destroyed. Why? Because we're in the hands of God. This is the language of the Bible. So we need to abandon this unbiblical idea that it is normal for so-called Christians to abandon God for the world and for sin when they go through difficult times. Why do we say, well, you see, they're just going through something. You know, it's just been hard. Why do we coddle people and say, well, the circumstances of their life have just been a little sour. You know, surely they're in Christ because, you know, one time they prayed the prayer. They went to a Christian school. They dressed up for church long ago, but now they're on drugs. Now they're full-fledged alcoholic. Now they're living in adultery, but you know, you know, they've had a lot to deal with. Listen to me, there is not a hint of such thinking in the Bible. That thinking is not in Scripture. Do you not think that the psalmist and David went through a lot in their life? We find in Scripture, listen, we find in Scripture that when believers hit rock bottom in life, they cling to the rock that can hold them up. We always find that. We do not find sinless perfection. Don't take me out of context. We do not find that there are just perpetual seasons of blessedness in the believers. No, that's obviously my first point. But we do find in the heart of a Christian a longing to know God even in the midst of difficult times. When believers sink like Peter did, What do they do? They cry out in their sinking and they say, Lord, help me. And Christ comes and saves his sheep. This is where the psalmist is. And is dealing with real, listen, real emotional, mental, and spiritual depression. He doesn't run from God. He runs to God. The psalmist's aim in life, is not comfort, it's not success, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not other people, it's God. His satisfaction is not found in pills and sex and vacations or earthly possessions. His satisfaction is found in God. And let me just also add to this that this seeking of God is not something that was forced upon him by someone else. No one grabbed him by the back of the neck and said, you're going to seek God whether you like it or not. He genuinely wants to seek God. That's the life of God in the soul of a man. This is the true remedy for depression. The true remedy for depression is God and God alone. 
I didn't say God and a 10-step program. I didn't say God and pills. I didn't say God and yourself. I said God. It's Bible. I'm giving you Bible. I know the pop psychologist will not agree with this, but so be it. This is God's word. If you want a true help in life, you need God. And that's what we ought to declare to this world. Stop coddling people with secular helps. They need God. Press them on that. What you need is God. You've been abandoning the Lord. No wonder you're so miserable. You're abandoning the source that can help you the most. The reason why so many believers are fickle and faithful and spiritually weak during times of trouble can be traced back to their failure to seek God. Always. Always. They can be traced to their numbing their mind through their stupid smartphone and their TVs rather than renewing their mind by the truths of God's Word. That's the parallel. Look at our culture. Our culture is so depressed. More depressed than it has ever been that we know of. I think that's an honest assessment. So many, quote, mental health problems. It's really a spiritual health problem. Though I do not deny that we could mold some of that into mental health. But look at the parallel. So depressed. And what's the direction of our nation spiritually? The farther we stray from God, the more depressed we will become. The more we neglect God's word, the church that preaches truth, that wants to help souls, the farther we stray. What are the cures for depression? First, we find that the psalmist knows God personally. Second, we find that the psalmist seeks God passionately. This is not just a two-minute, well, I did my little devotional Let me check off the box. Let me just chew on something somebody else has already chewed upon and spit it on a page. (laughs) He's truly seeking after God passionately. And then third, we find that the psalmist takes time to remember God purposefully. Verse 6, notice verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, what am I going to do? Just sit back and just wish that it wasn't so? My soul is cast down within me, so I'm just going to sit in my lazy boy recliner and watch TV hoping that just something will magically change. Look at the text. Therefore, will I, here's the resolve, remember thee, who? God. From the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Do you see his resolve to take time to ponder about God? Do you see his purposeful decision to take time, listen, in the midst of his depression, to be still and know that God is God? This is the cure. In our times of discouragement, in our times of depression, often, we become distracted. Remember Jonathan Edwards' squirrel? 
We become prone to forget who God is and what God has done for us. So what do we need to do? We need to remember. How do we remember? By doing what Psalm 1 tells us. Meditating on the law of the Lord day and not night. Not just on Sundays. Day and night. We remember by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. During times of depression and discouragement, listen, don't neglect the public teaching and preaching of God's word. Why do we do this? That which can help us the most often is the thing that we neglect. Well, I'll get back to church when I get my life together a little bit. What? This is a hospital. We have the IV hookups. We can help you. We have vitamins to feed to your soul. Don't neglect the hospital when you're sick. Come and join the rest of the sick. Yes? Well, I just feel like I don't need to be fanatical about the church. All right. You're going to stray, and when you stray, you're going to come crying back, and then you're going to be asked, well, where were you? Let me give you the fourth and final remedy before I get into trouble. The fourth and final remedy for depression that we find in this psalm is to take time to question ourselves regarding why we are feeling the way that we are feeling. We need to, number four, painstakingly preach to ourselves truths about God. Verse five, look at verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? He doesn't know. It's just come upon him. He's been persevering in his faith, but now he just feels stuck. He feels in a place of darkness. Have you ever been there? I call it the hauntings of hell. Sometimes when everything seems to be going well, all of a sudden there's just this dark cloud that comes over your heart, your soul, your mind, and you don't even know why you're discouraged. I mean, you look around and everything seems to be okay. Your family's blessed, you've got money in the bank account, and your job's going well, and you're feeling well physically, and yet you just have this dark cloud hanging over you. That's the psalmist. Why? I'm a Christian. I have hope. I have the Spirit. Why? Why? I need to figure it out. I don't want to be in this place. And so what does he do? He preaches at himself. He looks himself in the mirror and says, here's what you need to do. You can't wait till Sunday when the pastor points his finger at you. You need to just point your finger at yourself. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Notice the commonness, verse 11. Same questions, same sermon. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? I don't want to be here. Why? For what reason? How did I come to this place? Is there any sin I need to confess? Is there anything I need to get right with my brother or sister in Christ? Why? Why? I don't know why, but here's what you need to do. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is 
the health of my countenance and, notice it, notice his clinging, and my God. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Though I wake up and I cannot find him, I know he's there if I seek him. Song of Solomon. We see the reality of depression. We see the remedy for depression. What's the remedy? Number one, knowing God personally. Seeking God passionately. Remembering God purposefully. And then questioning and preaching to ourselves painstakingly. When we're not feeling well physically, we go through things painstakingly. We're willing to drive to Loma Linda. We're willing to pay up the big bucks. When we need a chiropractic adjustment, we're willing to wait in a waiting room for an hour. What do we do spiritually? The final thing I want you to note from this psalm is the truth that the cure doesn't come automatically. Does it? It doesn't just fall upon us without our involvement. It must be worked out. Remember James chapter 4? Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. How many times in Scripture do we read that the blessing of God is not in the knowing, it's not in the hearing, it's in the doing. It's in the applying. So are you depressed? Seek God. Seek God. Heavenly Father, help us. If perhaps we are in that dark pit now, help us to see the light. Help us to see the illuminated steps that can bring us out of that pit. Help us to see that there is hope. It's not hopeless. Others have been there with us. Others have faced greater trials than we've ever faced. And you've been merciful to help them in their time of need. And if tonight all is going well, we're not depressed. We're in a season of joy and blessing. Well, help us, Lord, to take this sermon and tuck it away in the files of our hearts, in the files of our mind. And call it to attention when we feel downcast in our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.